It's a third win against the top ten, and the Orange had them all the way. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into my heart. A three for the win battle. Bang! Boom! As the Orange do it again, the cardiac juice comes through on the road one more time. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us. Alongside Seth Goldberg, I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Tuesday edition of Orange Nation. We are brought to you in part by Duntire. 315-437-7644. If you'd like to get involved, we actually have a lot to get to today. We're going to go over our comprehensive list of who you would consider the blue bloods of college basketball. Mine is very comprehensive. Yes. Uh, you gave me a, a tease. You You're said, gonna hate you said my yours list. is short. You're going to hate my list. So I'm, uh, I am looking forward to, to discussing this today and discussing this with our listeners as well. We're going to go over our report cards for SU basketball. Uh, we do have uh, Lauren Brownlow from 99.9 The Fan in Raleigh, North Carolina, set to join us in the next segment. Uh, she put together a piece debating whether or not this was a successful NCAA tournament for the ACC conference. Your knee-jerk reaction is probably no, right? given Virginia's early exit and no and, teams in the Final Four. And it's the first time since 2014 that there are no right. teams in the Final Four. So, uh, you know, only the second time in the quote-unquote expansion era here with, you know, Louisville, Notre Dame, Syracuse, Pitt, uh, that they haven't had a Final Four team. But you had an unexpected run by Syracuse. You had an unexpected run by Florida State. Had more wins and units than you did last year. Right. So we'll talk to Lauren about that. It was a, a very interesting article. And we have another thing to talk with Lauren about. Uh, Jeff Capel reportedly set to become the next head coach of the Pitt Panthers. So Capel uh, leaving Coach K and the Duke program, again, reportedly to become the next head coach of the Pitt Panthers. Uh, this story breaking within the last 15 minutes or so. Uh, so we can get Lauren's thoughts on that coming up in the next segment. We do need to start the show today, Seth, uh, with something that happened after we left the air yesterday, and that's uh, Matthew Moyer taking to social media to announce that he's transferring. Uh, I am I'm not surprised at all. Uh, that that Moyers decided to go elsewhere again. It's a it's a numbers game, right? And this year they didn't have very many healthy bodies. He found himself at the end of that short bench. Uh, you know, Syracuse was only playing seven guys. He didn't get a ton of minutes as it was. Next year, you're bringing you know Darius Baisley and Jalen Carey and Buddy Bayheim and Elijah Hughes off the transfer, and it's a numbers game. And I, and I get it. He wants to play and. He didn't get a lot of minutes this year after his ankle injury, and his minutes will probably go down. Uh, at least, I would assume that's what he believed moving forward. And so, Matthew Moyer has decided to leave the program, and and he's going to look into his other options. Yeah, I mean, I can't say this is surprising. Like you said, uh, you know, ever since, really, ever since Jim Beheim said Matt Moyer's dad didn't want him to play, uh, I, I think the writing was very obviously on the wall. And when you look at next year, you mentioned the number, the, the numbers game. When you look at next year, he is what the third power forward. Yeah, I right? mean, you look I, at, I mean, the, he's, at the forward maybe, spot. Maybe you've got fo- Baisley, Brissett, Dolajai, and again Elijah Hughes may split time between buddy. right, buddy. He, you know, they may split time between the forward positions and the guard positions. I, I don't and, know how he fits into the whole rotation. Right, and, and realistically, he's probably the fourth power forward spot behind Baisley, Dolajai, and Brissett if they were to go small. Right, so. It's like there just isn't really a spot for him on this team. And when you look at his season, uh, he started the first 20 games. 
He had that fantastic performance at UConn, but then after the UConn game, Jim Beheim comes out and, and is like, well, that's not going to happen again, right? Like, that was a great performance, but that that's not going to happen again, and, and we can't expect that on a night-in, night-out basis. And it just shows you where this coaching staff was, or, or Jim particularly, with Matthew Moyer. And it feels like it never got to a, a good point with Moyer, right? Where we talk about this a lot. There are certain players who can take that and who can deal with that and who turn it into something productive. You know, Tyler Roberson's final four run, Tyler Roberson at Duke, funneled that, right, and and put it into a productive outing. I don't know that Matt Moyer was that same kind of a player where he couldn't take the criticism and, and funnel it or channel it into something really productive. And it's unfortunate that, again, his time here, while short, was marred by injury, right? I mean, he reluctantly redshirted last year because his foot just was not ready when fall practice opened and by the time they hit the floor he just he wasn't ready to come back so they redshirt him and again he didn't want to but everybody felt like it was the the best decision for him and then he uses the you know the the year off to get you know bigger and stronger and he practices with the team and then he comes back and he you know he, he earns a starting spot and then he gets hurt again loses his starting spot Merrick Dolezal comes on strong starts playing a lot better and, you know, Moyer was never the same player. Again, I'm not even sure he's healthy right now. Right. I, um, I don't think we know. I th- I really don't. I mean, I, I'm not sure that we know what his health is. And, and the fact that he didn't get his starting spot back, I mean, I think that's a little bit about him, but really more so about Dolajai, who, who came in and played well after, you know, taking that starting spot. It, it just all went downhill, right? It, it just all uh, started snowballing. He got hurt. I, I don't I, I don't know if or when he got healthy. And then, you know, when he was fully healthy, when he was back and ready to play again, the guy who replaced him was playing pretty well. And it was hard to knock him out of the starting lineup. And as you said, there was the, uh, you know, the the press conference where Jim Beheim, you know, called out the fact that his dad didn't want him to play and, and so on and so forth. And so I... I I'm not surprised at all. Um, I did not expect that he would be back in a Syracuse uniform. It's kind of like with with Tyrod Taylor, right? When Tyrod was benched, you got he the feeling that, be and even though he got his starting job back, you felt like, well, the writing's on the wall. Tyrod's not going to be on this roster uh, next year. And I, I kind of felt the same way with Matthew Moyer. Good kid. I mean, really good kid. Uh, smart kid. Obviously talented. Um, but, uh, but he's going to pursue other options. And again, I, you can't really blame him. He wants to play. And the way things are looking going into next year, he probably wasn't going to play a whole heck of a lot uh, if everybody came in and, and was healthy and, and ready to go. It's a numbers game. Jim Beheim doesn't play 10 guys, uh, and Matthew Moyer would have been, let's be honest, in the pecking order, probably you know around ninth, ninth or 10th. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's a question. I think he would have been ninth or 10th, and, and I don't know what that means for what you do with the scholarship. You know, uh, I'm not sure if that means you bring somebody else in because whoever you bring in is, in theory, then going to slot into ninth or 10th, right? And the only person that they're probably going to be ahead of is Howard Washington. And and that's really only because of Howard Washington's injury, right? We don't know when he's going to be healthy, and there are a couple of guards ahead of him, so we just don't know how he slots in. And that's where that last scholarship that is now available would go to. You know, you're at your full complement of scholarships. Uh, you know, Syracuse is now out of, out from under the sanctions, and I, I don't know that they're going to use all these players, right? When it, when have we seen Jim Beheim, especially recently, go ten deep? 
Doesn't we, happen. We don't. It doesn't and, happen. And and I mean, I, I'm sure you remember this one, but after the Florida State game last year, remember when uh, Syracuse beat Florida State, top ten team? Like he he openly said, like Florida State lost that game because they played ten people. And he was like, you know, people kind of get on me, like o- almost as if to say, people get on me for my seven man rotation. But I think that game was lost because their best five weren't on the floor. Like that gave me the in- in- inclination that he's never going to be a guy. You know, at, at least from this point forward, and I don't think he ever has been, but at least from this point forward, he's not going to be a guy who goes 10 or 11 deep. Yeah, I mean, six or seven, or I mean, more than six, generally seven or eight, because seven right. or eight means, you know, you've got... A center, a, a forward, and a guard. Right, you've got, you know, and, and sometimes you can get away with that forward slash center. It's just one big guy comes off the bench, and one guard comes off the bench, and, and you got what you need. you got seven guys, or you got eight guys. That's generally the number, right? And Matthew Moore did not figure to be in that top seven or eight, and so he's going to look elsewhere and um, and look for some playing time. And again, who who could blame him? You wish him well. And uh, I think if you're an SU fan, you you're excited about what lies ahead uh, for this team and this program as as we await, you know, Tyus Battle's decision. Sounds like O'Shea Brissett is coming back, um, but uh, but Tyus is the question mark right now. And as we talked about on the show yesterday, to me it feels very much like it's a fifty fifty thing right now. Um, yeah, that he, there's certainly some. There's a convincing argument for him to go. There's a convincing argument for him to stay. And it's it's very early in the process. Obviously, the season just ended, and the way things work now, um, they've they've got some time leading up to the combine, and then you've got another two and a half weeks after that. He doesn't have to make his decision until mid-June. So, yeah, he's got two uh, months. Plenty of time. Plenty got, of time to make yeah, this decision. He's got two months. Two and a half months to, yeah. to make this decision. All right, let's take our first time out. When we return, we're going to bring on uh, Lauren Brownwell from 99.9 The Fan in Raleigh, North Carolina. Again, she uh, posted an article today on social media about whether or not this was a successful tournament for the ACC conference, and we'll get her thoughts on Jeff Capel reportedly set to become the next head coach of the Pitt Panthers. Keep it here. Orange Nation just getting started on ESPN Radio. Live from Armory Square, this is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Phone lines now open the rest of the way at 315-437-7644. And and we want some listener participation today, especially on this next topic. How do you define Blue Bloods and the Blue Blood programs in college basketball and who is on your list? That's the question today. And Seth, I know... uh, you know, you've been teasing the last uh, hour or so that uh, I'm I not going to like gonna your list, list. That you're going to anger me with your list. Um, and given the way that you reacted to Lauren there, my guess is you've got like four teams on your list. I've got five. Five teams on your list. I don't have all the ones you listed. I, I listed six. So I you left Indiana off. And I left UCLA off. Interesting. They've been largely irrelevant for the last 15 years. For the most part. All right. UCLA and made I, the Sweet 16 last year, Indiana the year before, but okay. I, I just, look, I, I don't think that nationally, I don't think the two those two programs have been top of the discussion. And I, I think that matters. I, I really do. I think that, you know, when I think blue blood programs, I think that you have to have the, the discussion of historically being really relevant and really important. And also like now, you know, being relevant and being in the discussion not just for, you know, the Sweet 16, but I think the Elite Eight, the Final Four, kind of every year. You know, I think of these Blue Blood programs as the ones that every single year are going to be in the top 10, top 15. Well, that would explain why country. your list is very short. Yes. Okay, so we know the four. Who's the right. fifth? Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, UNC, and I put Michigan State in. 
I think over the last, what, 20 years with Izzo, I think you go back and look historically, uh, they've got the national championship from the 70s. They were relevant, uh, you know, in the late 70s, in, in early 80s. I think that there's enough there that you can make the case that they are a historical program as well as currently and, and what they're doing currently. Um, I think you would put up against anybody, right? I think I think the last twenty-ish years that they've had under Izzo, you would put up against almost any program, right? Tenth most Sweet Sixteen appearances. Um, they haven't been to the Sweet Sixteen since two thousand fifteen. Uh, Indiana and UCLA both went okay, more recent than that. They um, did. Michigan State's also more perennially a top five program than than Indiana or UCLA. Not over time, though. And, uh, Not over time. Over, the, over that time period, as you're pointing out, the Sweet 16 births, I, I don't think, like, getting to the Sweet 16 is something, and it matters, don't get me wrong, but, like, when's the last time that you've thought the, fo- like, college basketball world, like, Indiana and UCLA are at the center of it? Like, when I don't know. When one of those jobs opens, it's, it's a considered deal. a... You know, they say it's considered a top five job, top, certainly a top ten job. But in is the that country. more because of the history than what the, what's there right now? And I'm not disagreeing with you, you a blue because blood. I've I've got look, I've got a whole nother list. Like I've got I've got a whole secondary list here of like teams I'd also put in that discussion, and it includes Louisville, it includes Indiana, it includes UCLA, uh, Syracuse, Villanova, Georgetown, uh, Michigan. So they're, I would they're say all this. there, right there in the discussion. And I'm not going to say I'm not going to like. I'm not going to get up in arms if you wanted to include them in this, but like I tend to keep this to a much shorter list. I would take issue with Michigan State then, if that's the way you're going to define it, because is Michigan State that's a blue right. blood simply because of Izzo? Because that's what it sounds like. Check the check I mean, they the had magic I, right yeah. in '79, and then check, Izzo. Check the note that I put it. Put them in, but willing to kick out. But is, willing to bend is, is what you is, like, is what you wrote. Like I'm very I'm very willing to keep this to four of Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, and UNC. Where like you look and all of them going back to if you're the 50s out, and 60s and keeping like I'm very willing to keep those four programs as the four prominent big time blue blood programs. If you're kicking out UCLA and Indiana, you have to kick out Michigan That's fine. State. Then then I'll push they, them those down. do not go together. That's fine. Then I'll push them down. I have no issue with that. Like I. I think that when you talk about blue bloods, like you're talking about the ones that have historically been great programs and are currently great programs. And I think that Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, UNC really fit into that, where year in and year out, for the most part throughout college basketball history, they're not just competing for a sweet 16 spot, they're competing for a national championship. How close was Syracuse to your list? Very close. Are they first team out? Probably. Give me your give me your second tier again. Syracuse, Nova, UCLA, Georgetown. Hang on, go, go slower. Syracuse. Yep. Nova. Okay. Louisville. Okay. Indiana. UCLA. Georgetown. Michigan and Michigan State. Okay, and you left UConn off the list. I did. How do you they differentiate like fi- between like Villanova f- and UConn? UConn had like fifteen years under Calhoun. UConn from like the what early to mid nineties to like. The mid to late 2000s? Got four national titles. I know, but 15 years. Okay. Like, if you're going to say, hey, you're only putting Michigan State in because of Izzo, don't you have to say, well, I can't put UConn in because of 15 years under no, Jim Calhoun. And, and I understand. I'm just wondering how you differentiate between, like... I mean, I guess it's the same thing. Georgetown's on your list, correct? Yes. When's the last time Georgetown was really good? That's why I put them down, down further. Down your list, All even right. Even down further on the questionable list. I feel like Villanova, Georgetown, UConn, they're all kind of the same. I mean, 
Right. That's why I don't know what to do with them. Like, I don't think Right, they... but you put Villanova and Georgetown on your list, but you left UConn off. I, I would challenge you on that. I think that Villanova and Georgetown historically, and Villanova, given what they're doing right. now, plus the historically, right. are is is very much a, a step up at this moment from the other two. I think. Right, but you didn't even mention UConn. I, th- four national titles is hard to ignore. They came in a, and, and a the, fifteen the, year period. The, and I, I know right. that George, George, the large majority of Georgetown's success came in early eighties to the part that I struggle with, with with UConn is that, and you know my stance on UConn. I think that they're going to become less and less relevant as right. time goes on. I guess I guess so, that also factors in. I think they're going to. By the fade. way, I didn't put them on my list either. I just I had a I had a hard time differentiating between Villanova, Georgetown, and UConn because, you know, UConn, the the numbers, especially, you know, yes, over that 15 to 20 year span, I mean, they're hard to ignore. They're incredible. With the four national titles. Uh, you know, Villanova's got a couple. You know, Georgetown has the one back in 84, but again, they helped make the Big East and they were relevant for a good portion of the Big East. And then after Big right. John left and, and retired, they became less and less relevant. And I get that. Um but, you know, UConn went through a, a stretch where they were among the top five programs in the country. Absolutely. Year in but and so year did, out. But so did Pitt. Not to the same degree. Not to the same degree, but Pitt for for what? From from 03 to 08, 09 was a top 10 program? It's a seven-year span. Syracuse has an interesting case to be included right. among the That's tier right. one teams. I don't know what to do with them. I don't know what to do with Syracuse because you've had great success, right? You've had 40 years here where you've won nearly 1,100 games over 40 years. That's that's remarkable. That means that you're winning. Uh, that means that you're winning 25 games a year over a 40 year span, and that's incredible. Same time, and and people are going to hate me for saying this. You have the one title, and when you compare the final four appearances, and it's been you know what five. Six of five, of them. six in program history. Six in program history. Five, you know, since Bayheim took over, and you're really thinking about their rise. Uh, I mean, does that stack up with what Kentucky and Kansas and UNC are doing? And Duke. I don't know. I think of them in the Final Four more often. So Syracuse has six all-time. Duke has sixteen. UCLA seventeen. Kansas fifteen. Carolina twenty. And Kentucky seventeen. So no, in. If that's what you're going by, then then no, Syracuse falls short of that. But- also, do also, and this is going to sound like I'm hating on John Wooden, which I'm not. But do you have to take into account the the landscape of college basketball when talking to about UCLA's? And I know they were dominant. I know that they won what ten, uh, 10 11, titles, eleven and, total and, titles, yep. and and they won all these ones in a row, and they had the 88 game winning streak, and they were incredible. And I, I get it, but like, what was the competition? Right, like that's I think, a fact. I think that I think that Kentucky going to Final Four after Final Four now, or Duke going to Kentucky sure. to, to Final Four after Final Four now with Coach K, it is, you know, a lot more difficult than reaching a Final Four in the sixties and seventies. Fair point. Fair point. But again, when you talk blue bloods, there is a tradition element. You know, I mean, it's it's the elite programs, but the, it's also elite programs over time. And sure. and UCLA certainly at one time was. The, tops on the list right. by by a long shot, like like the UConn women. Uh, Syracuse, by the way, sixth most wins all time, sixth best winning percentage all time ahead of Indiana, seventh most Sweet 16 appearances all time. Um, That's why I have them right there. Syracuse. That's why I have them right there, but they seem, they and, and I would say just about everybody else, seem a notch below 
Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, UNC. You got to kick Michigan State off the list of Syracuse. I did. I, did. I know. I, I'm just I, saying, if 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 SU's not on your list, Michigan State. You can't can be attest on your list. to it. The note that I wrote last night, <laughs> willing said, to bend, willing to bend. Like I was, I was very shaky on Michigan State to begin with. All right, let's go to the phone lines. Uh, we want to hear from you at 315-437-7644. Brendan and Manley is kicking us off on Orange Nation. Hey, Brendan. Hey, Steve. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. I want to make a quick point. It's not completely uh, tied into what you guys are talking about, but I think it's, 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 it's worth mentioning. For all those people that have been, you know, banging the drum for the past five, six, seven, ten years or more to tell Bayheim that it's time for him to retire, look at what's happened to UConn after Calhoun left. Look, look what's happened to Georgetown after Big John left. you got to be careful what you wish for. I think that if you were to have the same debate 10 years ago, UConn and Georgetown are definitely probably in the top seven or eight teams. And now, I couldn't agree with you more. I think UConn is going to be absolutely irrelevant in the next three or four years. I don't know what you guys think about that, but again, not totally on topic, but I think that it all ties into each other. Yeah, no, and I, I do agree with you. And, I absolutely and I agree. I said that when Syracuse and Louisville and Pitt made it to the ACC and UConn was left behind, and then UConn was, was trying to push to, to get into the ACC, and then the ACC was like, no, we, we want to wait on Notre Dame, and you know if Notre Dame ever goes to a conference of football, we want it to be us, and so UConn, you can you know go to this cast-off conference, the AAC. UConn and wanted I said to go to then, the Big 12. I said back then, even though they made a run to a national title, I said... Let's let's see what happens in the next five years. And sure enough, within the next five years, you know, Kevin Ollie's fired and and they have, for the most part, become irrelevant. Now can they turn that around? And now they've got Danny Hurley. It'll be interesting to see what what he can do as the head coach there and whether or not he can get UConn to to where like Villanova is now, right? I mean, that's that's your hope. You're not in a power right. five conference, but you know, they've had no, some, Jay I, Wright has had success I, at Villanova. But I think there's a difference. And I, I think that there's a clear delineation between Power 5 and not, but I think that the Big East is a step in between yeah. the Power 5 sure. and everybody else, right? Like, I, I think that the Big East is kind of in a tier on their own because you look at the programs there, and whether it's Xavier or or Villanova or, you know, some of the, or, you know, Seton Hall's resurgent, uh, you know, Creighton's typically like a, a decent program. A Providence had a re- very good year. I think that for basketball, and, and they don't play the others, you know they don't play football. They don't play the other money making sport. I think that the Big East is kind of yeah. It's like Power Five, Big East, everybody else. Yeah, that's and, fair. And I think that the AAC is at the top of the everybody else, but still a step below the Big East. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and and so I I completely agree with that assessment of UConn and, and the direction UConn's going in. Now, can they get back to you know being like a Villanova potentially? But it's it's going to be difficult. And once you once you fall below that standard, it's tough to get back up to that standard. And we'll we'll see if Danny Hurley uh, can make that happen uh, with us. We do need to take a timeout, but phone lines are open. We want to hear from you on this Blue Blood discussion. 315-437-7644. We got another hour plus. Okay. We got time, Seth. Back after this, we'll wrap up hour number one on ESPN Radio. Live from Armory Square. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen Seth, back with you on a Tuesday edition of Orange Nation. We are brought to you in part by Charles Heating and Air. Phone lines open the rest of the way at 315-437-7644. We want to hear from you on our Blue Bloods discussion. What defines a Blue Blood in college basketball? Who's on your list? Seth has four. Yes. Kentucky, Kansas, Carolina, Duke. I don't think you can argue with any of those. I think that's the bare minimum. I do too. 
Uh, I successfully made you kick Michigan State down to your second tier. I think Michigan State either has to be in your first tier with oh, other schools right. or in right. the second tier. So I'm going to put Michigan State in my first tier. And I'm going to include UCLA. I'm going to include Indiana. And yes, I'm going to include Syracuse and Louisville. I think, to me, that's that's the list. What makes what makes Louisville, Syracuse different than Villanova? I think you go back tradition, right? More sustained more, success. More sustained okay. success. And you say 40 years with Jim Beheim. Let's not forget Syracuse made a Final sure. Four in 75. Right. And, and again, Dave, and Dave Bing and right. Jim and, playing and Louisville, before that. Same thing, yeah. going back to Denny Crum. And, I mean, they, they have had sustained success over, you know, a half a century plus. Yep. Um, Louisville, fifth most all-time in Sweet 16s. Uh, I mentioned Syracuse, sixth all-time in wins, sixth all-time in winning percentage. Um, top 10 all-time. This one kind of surprised me. In uh, in AP Top 25 appearances, Syracuse, ninth all-time in uh, in AP Top 25 poll appearances. Um You know, a couple of national titles for Louisville. Obviously, Syracuse has the one. I think that's the – if you're going to – Take issue with Syracuse. That's probably the one area that you would attack because everything else across the board, I think, is is rock solid in terms of including them as a blue blood. But if you get hung up on national titles, that's the that's the one that's area you can attack get, with Syracuse. That's where you're going to get hung up uh, on Syracuse. It, it is. I, I mean, Louisville has what? Louisville's two. got two. Uh, you Michigan know, State Michigan, has two. Michigan State has two. Uh, Indiana Villanova got, has you know, two. Multiple, Villanova's got two. Uh, it's it's hard to yeah it's it's that's the part where you're going to get hung up and and it, again it's not an indictment on the program it's not an indictment on the coach but that's where you're going to get hung up right that that's where you're gonna keep finding yourself coming back to I think uh, you know I'm I'm not including teams that have multiple titles you know so I don't know that I can include the team that's got one you know I'm not including Villanova that has two granted 30 years apart I but I don't know that I can then include the the guy that's got the the coach the the the, the coach the team the program that's got one you know it's it's just hard um I I, I can't necessarily fight against you if you want to widen this thing out and you want to put those schools in like that's fine and I don't disagree you know the impact that UCLA and John Wooden had on college basketball you can't tell the story of college basketball without John Wooden and UCLA you know, I don't think you can tell the story of college basketball without Bobby Knight and that in, and that undefeated Indiana team and what he did at Indiana. Um, you know, you obviously can't without Duke and Kentucky and Kansas and UNC. Um, and I, I don't know if that's a good enough answer for what a blue blood should be. You can't tell the story of college basketball without them. Um, but if that is your bare minimum, then those six have to be your bare minimum. Um, you know, how many more programs fall into that? How many more programs do you need to tell the story of college basketball? I think you could make a strong case for Villanova and that upset, and the of, upset? of Georgetown. Yep. Um, you know, you could make a strong case for both Georgetown and Syracuse in terms of the, the, Big East, the history of the Big East and one of the, one of the greatest rivalries. I think you know Duke Carolina's probably got them beat, obviously because it still exists. Um, but you know, Syracuse, in terms of that rivalry, Duke, Syracuse uh, Georgetown's probably right there. Right, that's what it. I'm saying. I mean, I, so in terms of the history of college basketball, I think you know you can make a strong case for those two programs. Um, you know, Michigan State with Magic Johnson, and you know, Magic I mean, against do, Larry do Bird. Do you need and, to include Michigan in the Fab Five? I mean, you could. I mean, Michigan. I, I wrote down Michigan. So if we were going to expand this to like I wrote sixteen, Mi- I wrote Michigan down as well in that next. Yeah, if this was like a Sweet Sixteen, then Michigan's on the list. Um, I think they're they're just on the outside of my list, and and 
you know, along those same lines, I gave you nine schools. If I was going to give you a tenth, if I had to do a top ten, Michigan might be that tenth. I was going to say, I think, I think Villanova would make the cut oh, okay. for me. Um, the, you know, again, where they are right now. I mean, they and they do have. I think the last historic think, significance. I, I do think the last five years has really the perception on Villanova, though. Don't you? Yes. I, I mean, since since the new Big East kind of since. And I don't want to say the new Big East broke away, but since the formation of the new Big East and proving that they could stay uh, nationally relevant, not just nationally relevant, but two Final Fours in that time, uh, you know, winning winning the national title. I remember sitting at the press conference after the championship game a couple years ago, Steve, and someone asked Jay Wright, like, how important is this, not for you, Jay Wright, not for you, Villanova, but for your new conference, you know, which was, uh, what, a year old at that point? And he and he was like, yeah, like this is very important. It gives us legitimacy. It gives us, you know, this and that. And you know, for that reason, and and what Villanova has done since, they've kind of catapulted themselves back up. I don't know if this is the right way to look at it or not, but I I kind of look at you know who are the elite programs in the country based on you know. So say there's a stud recruit. He's a junior in high school, and he says, you know, I'm I'm I could go anywhere I want to go. I I have my list of yep. ten schools, and if he gave the list of UCLA, Kentucky, Kansas, Indiana, North Carolina, Duke, Syracuse, Louisville, Michigan State, would Villanova seem I don't know out of place? I, I don't, don't think, think so. so. Right, because of because of the success well, they're having. And here's a question because you brought that up, and I know we need to take a break. Where's Arizona fit in? Arizona's on my list too, just on the outside of the of the blue bloods looking in. Um, again, in terms of success over a really long period of time, I think that's where you would attack Arizona. They've only got one national title as yep. well. Um, and their success is what really the last twenty five. Lute Olson. It's Lute right. Olson. And, right. And you know they've fallen short of expectations ever in, since. In, in recent years. So. Um, they fall just short for me. You're right. We do have to take they a time fall out. off the list for me, too. We'll, we'll continue the conversation on the other side. Again, full lines are open. We want to hear from you. 315-437-7644. Back after this, but first, here's Max with a Sports Center update. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen Seth back with you on a Tuesday edition of Orange Nation. 315-437-7644. We've had some interaction on social media, Seth, regarding our Blue Bloods discussion. Um, I feel comfortable with mine, and I know you feel comfortable with yours. You've got four on your list. I extended mine uh, to nine. In case you're just joining us, we're discussing who are the Blue Blood programs in college basketball. Seth has Kansas, Kentucky, Carolina, Duke. I've got the same four, but also have Indiana, UCLA, Syracuse, Louisville, Michigan State. Uh, that's my list. And I again, can't argue. I, I can't argue with you ex- expanding it. I just tend to keep mine tighter. Okay. And if I went to ten, I gave you nine. If I went to ten, I, I think right now, present day, I'd have Villanova on my list. Hard to argue with their results of late, and they, they have had success over uh, you know the course of three, four decades. You mentioned as we were going into break that you had uh, I have one more, you to one throw more out that you want to throw out. Who is that? Uh, because I threw out Arizona, and I feel like it's a, I feel like they're similar, maybe even a better case. Where do you fit on? Where do you sit with Florida? And maybe this is because I'm young, and because I was you know twelve and thirteen when Florida had their back to back championships and. And you know was playing there was at the height of their program, but where would you put Florida? I don't have them in like I don't I I didn't think of them last night when I was making my my list. Uh, but you look at especially recently, you know they're they're a program that has had a lot of success. 
you know, they haven't really been to Final Fours outside of those two that Billy Donovan took them to, but they've been to the Elite Eight. They've perennially been ranked for the most part. Um, I I don't know. I, I think they're a step below, but, like, are, are they in the Arizona class? No, I think they're even further they're below further that. Below I, that, you know, I, when I look at I look at them, I think of well, it was it was Billy Donovan. They had right. some success while he was there. I, I happen to have the the list of all time NCAA tournament appearances in front of me. Um, Florida's way down on the list. Utah State has more appearances. St. Joe's, Houston, New Mexico State, Creighton. I mean, Florida only has nineteen in in its history. Nineteen. Yeah. Tournament appearances. Again, I only ask that because of Syracuse the, has 23 Sweet 16s. Right. I only really ask that again because of the great recent success. And, and even recent, uh, that's a decade ago. Uh, and Billy they, Donovan's no longer they, there. Right. And Billy Donovan's not there. I mean, if Billy Donovan was still there and this team was still, you know, contending for Elite Eights and it's different. So on and so forth year in and year out, then you could make a case. He would have been going on 20 years there now. Right. Um, no, they're they're not even in that next tier for yeah. me. I don't think. I don't think so either. Um, they didn't even cross my mind when I when no. I did this last night. Well, I'll be honest with you. It crossed my mind. A lot of teams crossed my mind, um, but they're they're not even in that second tier for me. It's that that first tier. I've got nine. That second tier. You know, again, I, I would expand it out to maybe sixteen to twenty teams would be in that first and second tier combined. Um, Florida's not in either for me. Yeah, I've got like fifteen in my my two. I think Ohio State and Michigan, I think, would come I think to Ohio, mind. I think Ohio State's an interesting one to consider. Sixth all-time in Final Four appearances. They've got a national title. Um, you know, they've had historic success and recent success. Right. Um, I think Michigan's got to be, you know, a, a team that, that you got, consider for I've that got, second I've tier. I've got Michigan on my—I've on my, uh, got 12 teams in front of me of the four that I have and then the next nine— Eight, nine, ten that I've got. Uh, Michigan's on that next. Arizona's list. on that as well. No, I don't have Arizona. You don't on have that. Arizona no. on the next list. I told Interesting. you. Interesting. Syracuse, Villanova, UCLA, Georgetown, Louisville, Michigan State, Indiana, Michigan. My eight others. So you like Michigan better than Arizona and Georgetown? No, I had Georgetown. Oh, you on had Georgetown list. on yeah. there. Okay, you rattled them off. I was okay. So Arizona ahead of Michigan. Michigan ahead of Arizona. Correct. Okay. And Ohio State's not on your list. UConn's not on your list. No. All right. I'm I, look, I, I mean you you did the th- you you said a lot, you know, with Lou Olson, with Billy Donovan. I, I kinda look at UConn and say, How much was Calhoun? And and now that Calhoun's not there, now that they're not in a prominent conference, uh you know, now that they are twenty years removed from the the peak, right, which was ninety nine to 04, they're about 18-ish years removed, 14, 15 years removed from the end of their peak. Uh, what are they going to be moving forward? I, I mean, we've already seen they won a title four years ago, and they've already fallen off the map to the point where they fired their coach. So I, I don't I don't know what they're going to be. I agree with you on UConn. You, you know how I feel about UConn. Um, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I just don't know what they're going to be in the future, and I, I don't want to... Like I don't think I could project out if I'm not if I'm not including UCLA and Indiana who are historically great programs in my like top tier of blue blood teams I don't think I could put UConn in the same conversation as those two. It's fair. Okay, so you've got uh, what you've got thirteen. I've got uh, in tier one I've and got, two. I've got twelve. So your top four, and then you listed another eight. Yep. All right. I've got nine in my in my first tier, and then. Another six or seven. Yeah, 
And I, I think I, I compare Ohio State and Michigan. I think they're fairly comparable. Um, I'd have Arizona in there as well. Um, and I think, yeah, I think Georgetown's got to be in that second tier. Yep, I've got them. Yeah, I've got them there. But yeah, Florida. I mean, Florida crossed my mind, but Florida is uh, is way down. Yeah, Florida's yeah. not in in tier two for me either. Yeah, I, I'm, and look, this stuff changes. And and you mentioned uh, which kids going to have the you know their top ten. They can go anywhere in the country. I, I don't think that's this list. You know, I, I don't necessarily think that if if I put my top. I don't think that if if I were a high school recruit and I had a top twelve, I don't think this would be my twelve. You know, I, I think Arizona would be in this the discussion maybe more so than Indiana. I think that. You know, Florida would probably be in the discussion more so than they are right now. You know, for than than these schools. Um, you know, and and I'm sure that there are others that I'm not thinking of that would jump over. You know, a, a UCLA Texas maybe or a Georgia. Maybe. Yeah, right. I think somebody would jump over Georgetown. Like I, I think that there's a lot of give and take and, and a lot of differences between uh, where do top recruits want to go and what are the blue bloods uh, or what are you know your your top programs. And I guess that's why I put those other four in a different co- in a, in a different discussion point right because over the last 50 years there haven't been very many points where duke or kentucky or kansas or unc have been down right and even when they're quote-unquote down uh they they've still got that very recent rich history that they could pull out on you know kentucky was quote-unquote down before they hired john calipari uh and you see how quickly that turned around you know you put a good coach in a good in a good historical situation and it does matter who's number one on the list That is a great question. I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know. There's you, you can point to. I tend to, I tend to say that Duke would not be number one. But I don't know who would be number one. I mean, is it UNC? Like, I think it's probably. If you go by the numbers, I think it's probably UNC. If you go by the numbers, I think you could make the. The strongest case for Kentucky, yeah, because you'd have the most NCAA tournament appearances. That's the by other a one lot, I was thinking of. The most Sweet Sixteens by a lot. The most national titles outside of UCLA. UCLA has eleven, but again, you reference the fact that ten of them came, you know, with John Wooden. Right. Um, Kentucky's got eight, opposed to the eleven for UCLA. Uh, you know, Carolina's got six. Duke has five. Um, I think you could I probably make the strongest case for Kentucky. Yeah, I, I was. Batting back and forth, Kentucky and UNC. Go back and to Adolph Rupp. Go back to Adolph Rupp. Go back to, you know, the, the. I mean, that's outside of Kansas, who literally had the guy who invented <laughs> basketball be their first coach. That's like the beginning of college basketball, right? Adolph Rupp in Kentucky. Um, it's really hard to fight that. And they were really good from that point until when? Right, I mean they they they've they've sustained it. You know, they have. I, I look at UNC and I think you know for between the Dean Smith years all the way to now, I mean that's been what nearly forty years, more than that. I, I mean you know it's it's hard to knock that. You know Kansas, I think has had uh, you know you can go back to Wilt Chamberlain, you can go back to the guy who invented basketball uh, there. I'd say Kansas is probably I think fourth Kansas, on the list. I would say Kansas I would, is fourth. I I think so. I think it would be Kentucky. And then UNC, probably Duke. UNC, Duke, and Kansas, if, you know I was, also, if I was ranking the top four. You know what also gets me, and this is probably the dangerous part here, 
I take a step back and I look at all those those banners hanging in the rafters at UNC that are all those players and all those jerseys and all those people who have come through. And that's not to say Duke hasn't had a great one, a great run. Because I remember when I went to Cameron two years ago, I'm like, whoa, look at those seven banners hanging in a row of of Grant Hill and Leitner and Hurley and and Williams and Williams and Reddick and 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 on down the list. Um, you know, but. And Kentucky's got their share, and Kansas has their share. But you you look at UNC through history, and and the Jordan era, and Worthy, and and Vince Carter, and Jameson, and Rasheed Wallace, and and it just goes on and on, and and T- Tyler Hansborough, and it it just never ends with that school. It feels like it never ends, and that's why they're the blue. That's why those four are blue bloods because you could right. point to that at, at all four of those programs. You yeah, you absolutely could. I mean, at, at Kentucky, you look at it. And, uh, I mean, at Kansas, you look at it and you say, "Wow, well, like Will Chamberlain played on that court that they play yeah. on now." Uh, you know, at, at at Kentucky, you're talking about Adolph Rupp, who was coaching 60 years ago and and coaching Pat Riley. Uh, it, it it doesn't end at any of these schools. And Kansas, in that remarkable streak of consecutive yeah, won, conference titles, 14 That's Big 12 insane. conferences in a row. That is insane. Uh, we do need to take a timeout. Full lines remain open. 315-437-7644. Keep it here. We're back after this on ESPN Radio.